If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey folks, it's Dan from the future here. Before we begin this week's podcast, I just wanted to point out we recorded this on Sunday, the 25th of June, and the very next day, Monday, was when Paramount Plus pulled Star Trek Prodigy off of its service a few days ahead of when they said they were going to. So, uh, yeah, if you hear us talking about, you know, binge as much as you can before they take it off, uh, you can't do that now because Paramount has now removed it from the service. So, yeah, I just wanted to give you that heads up if you're listening and wondering what the heck we're talking about. uh, That's what's going on. I now return you to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Positively Trek. Uh, I'm going to lean heavily on that word positively this week because I feel like uh, we're going to need that a little bit. I'm Dan Gunther. With me, of course, as always, is Barry DeFord. Barry, how's it going? I am good for a number of personal reasons in my life. I'm about to be getting married and that's super awesome. So honestly, that's the happy part. Um, We're recording this. I am under a week away from uh, being a married man. So I'm pretty excited about that. But I'm also pretty pissed off at uh, at the whole Star Trek situation right now. And mm-hmm. so, yes, you're right. The the uh, suffix L-Y, um, positively, will definitely be positive about things, but we're definitely not happy about this. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm positively pissed about stuff, too. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what's that noise? There's, oh, what? oh, God. It's happened. Oh, God. It's happened. That chair I pulled out. There's someone in it. There's a, there's a mass forming. Oh, it's it's Bruce. <laughs> I am here to rain havoc on your Star Trek podcast. Oh, man. Excellent. I am so excited to have you back here, Bruce. Uh, Bruce Gibson, welcome back to Positively Trek. So thrilled to have you here, especially to talk about what we're talking about. You being kind of a TV insider and all. I, I'm so excited to talk about this because it's been a while since I've been on the show and it's positively Trek and we just have a lot of positive things to discuss about <laughs> Star Trek this week. So I'm like, why not do it now? Now's the time to do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so for those of you who have been kind of following the schedule lately, I've been trying to get things back on track with, you know, a regular episode one week with a book club episode the next week. And This week is supposed to be a book club episode. I had planned to talk about the uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds comics, The Illyrian Enigma with Brandy Jackala. But unfortunately, some news came up and I had to assemble a panel of Trek experts, being Barry and Bruce here, uh, to talk about it. And that, of course, is if you haven't heard, I think you're living under a rock and I kind of envy you not having heard this news because it sure bummed me out. The cancellation of Star Trek Prodigy at Paramount Plus, season two, which had previously we had been told it had been renewed for season two and they've been working on it and are continuing to work on finishing it, uh, will not be shown on Paramount Plus. But not only that, season one within the next few days will disappear off of Paramount Plus as well. So uh, if that's your first time hearing that, I am so sorry. Uh, And uh Gentlemen, thoughts? (laughs) Well, I just uh, would advise Barry to hurry up and watch the whole season again before your wedding. Yeah, that's the idea. (laughs) Like, there's some, I've got to eke out some time here. 
But yeah, no, I'm, I guess like <clears throat> I'm upset, obviously. Um, but I'm not upset. Like, I feel like we as Star Trek fans tend to be a little less on the sensational side of certain bits. Whereas like, I know we're very intense and, you know, we've, we've written letters to keep, to keep uh, Star Trek series going and whatnot. And I know there've been ups and downs in that regard, but I feel like we're typically good sports about certain bits like that, especially in the newer Trek era, watching Discovery kind of get its, its sea legs and everything like that and, and not getting, getting renewed for, you know, the full seven as we would have hoped and, and everything like that. But I think just, you know, Dan, you and I had, had actually, I feel like we've bonded in our friendship a little bit over Star Trek Prodigy, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, me watching it and then getting to getting you to talk with about it has really kind of helped me like it more. Um, it's been something that I've been just sort of picking away at with um, the uh, kiddos in my life and stuff like that. But just to have the, the rug pulled out so incredibly quickly and just very you know, I think I think what we're really feeling right now is is the implication is is it's very very clear that Paramount doesn't care whatsoever about any of its properties if they don't make the money they want it to make. And I know that a lot of people will will you know swat the side of their own head and say, well, duh, Barry, that's what you know, business is business and stuff like that. But like, I guess for me, it's the insult to the injury of. Now we can't even touch it anymore. And I think that ultimately gets the idea that ownership of media and the ability to uh, experience an, an art form and a piece of entertainment is taken from us, right? If we would have bought these things at, at a video store or something back in the old days, we would have owned these. And even if they canceled it, we'd still own them, you know, and, and it's not very often that, that the old, the old um, rental places like Blockbuster would do something so rash and so brash so immediately. So I think it is, it's the suddenness of it. And, you know, I think we typically, we, we sort of think of ourselves or at least fancy ourselves as being somewhat in the writer's room to some degree. I, a lot of what we've influenced as fandom as well. So for them to do something like this, um, it's a real slap in the face. Yeah, I, I, I'll echo that, that last comment for sure. Like, it feels like an insult to the fandom and whether, you know, whatever executive did this just probably doesn't get Star Trek fandom, doesn't understand that the the line they've just put through on something on a spreadsheet means so much to so many people. It clearly doesn't to whoever did that. And again, like you said, it's a business, yada, yada, yada. But it it felt so abrupt and insulting to me as a fan. Like I felt disrespected and uh, it hurt. It honestly hurt. This show that means so much to so many people. I, I go on social media and I see a lot of people talking about how their their little ones are watching Star Trek Prodigy. And these 40-year-old fans, 40 and, and above-year-old fans like me, who are introducing the next generation to Star Trek through this show, I, I think there's a short-sightedness here that doesn't get what this show could mean to the Star Trek brand in the long run. There's the short-term quarterly profits, right? Quark said it himself. Long-term prognostications don't matter. It's all about short-term quarterly gains. And the Ferengi over at Paramount are, are following that. And I don't think that whoever made this decision really gets it because... This could be the jewel in the in the Star Trek pantheon that really would ensure the future of this franchise for decades to come. Now, I don't think that because of canceling Star Trek Prodigy, they're going to kill Star Trek for decades to come. But I think it could have been such a huge boost to that franchise. I honestly really lament this decision. Yeah, and I'll, I'll look at it from a different perspective. They did get it because they tried it. You know, they greenlit the show to begin with and gave it a second season. So I don't know how it performed. I'm assuming the performance wasn't stellar because they would keep it on if it was. So if it's not really doing all that well, then from their standpoint, it's like all the things we're saying of, oh, it can bring in a whole nother generation of fans and things. There's the potential there, but maybe that potential just wasn't realized and it never happened and and maybe it still could happen because the thing about it is that the the positive side because it's positively trek the positive side of this (laughs) to me is that 
they're allowing post-production to finish the second season. They're just not pulling the rug from under them and just like, we'll never see the second season ever, 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 ever. Instead, it's going to be repurposed and sold to another outlet if somebody's willing to pay for it and put it on. So I guess from my standpoint, yeah, it's not going to be on Paramount Plus, not on Nickelodeon, but I'm hoping and I feel pretty good that I'll see it somewhere else. So it's not dead to me. It's just, well, where am I going to see it? And when am I going to see it? Is kind of where I'm standing right now. I mean, hope always dies last. It definitely. But I think, you know, what what we're looking at here is, are we dealing with our media, the stuff that we like to watch in such a passive way that all we can really do is weather these things like a weather pattern, right? And I think one thing that we as people who can participate in this whole, you know, milieu of fandom and everything like that is be vocal and is, you know, is to voice a certain level of concern. And I mean, honestly, what's happened in the world of streaming, this isn't unique to Star Trek, obviously, there's been other shows that have been canned overnight as well, uh, have been curtailed and curbed. Uh, Streaming has changed everything. And I think the number one thing about streaming, especially is trying to figure out what overheads and what profits are actually going to be long term profitable. I know a lot of people who would go on Netflix, play friends, sort laundry, vacuum, walk around the house, go to the bathroom, come back, you know, and now they're on like, they're like five seasons ahead, you know, or whatever. They've just been letting it passively go. And and I think wondering about that in terms of how these algorithms are calculating um, what is a good viewable show and what isn't. Because like, streaming doesn't actually fit everyone's lifestyle, which I think is baffling to some who do kind of just sort of immerse themselves in the world of streaming, especially your CEOs and your board members and stuff. But like, my lifestyle does not lend itself to being able to just like, watch a TV show, I, I literally have to like push time aside to be able to get to that. Because I'm not necessarily your immediate watcher, I'm, I'm deemed unprofitable. And I think that's the biggest piece of all this is we can have whatever we want as long as it's profitable. And that's a frustrating slap, like, you know, it's a it's a frustrating slap of reality, I think, rather than merely a slap in the face. And I think that ultimately what this, what this might open the door to off the bat is, I think, a lot more piracy and people not really giving a damn about what these corporations are, are, are trying to do. And I think that's the point is, I don't think we should ever expect these corporations to ever be you know, necessarily, you know, thinking with a a heartful mind or something like that, they're, they're here to make money. And I mean, a CEO has a fiduciary duty to make money, right? Like, a CEO can't just do something out of the goodness of their heart, because they're bound by their board to be profitable and make money. So I guess it's kind of like, if you want the future you want, if we want the future we want, you know, Star Trek's a great thing to do and watch and all this sort of stuff. But maybe this should be us asking bigger questions. But you know, I'm the politics guy. So that's where I (laughs) that's where I go with all this. Yeah, capitalism, rears its ugly head for sure with with all of this now one of the interesting things that i saw come out of this as well is uh, i've seen people supposedly in the know uh tweeting things that like walmart and target and amazon are all in the process of the last few days selling out of the season one part one dvd and blu-ray of star trek prodigy i ordered mine yesterday because it was kind of a hole in my collection that i that i hadn't filled yet and i thought oh i better i better get on that you know i don't know if this is going to be around much longer and i definitely want this part of star trek history and apparently a lot of people had the same thought i did so you know these are all anecdotal who knows yada yada i don't know what the actual numbers are but does that maybe signal a love of this that maybe hadn't been taken into account? I don't know. I mean, it might. I mean, I'm hoping they come out with a box set of the entire first season, episodes one through 20. Mm-hmm. And um, if season two doesn't see the light of day, maybe, you know, through some kind of distribution channel online or on TV or something, I hope that they would then release a bigger box set that includes the never-before-seen season two with all of season one or something to that effect. And I'd love to see that. That would be cool, too. But, I mean, I think buying DVDs or Blu-rays and it selling out might send a signal to Paramount. But if anything, I don't think that would reverse Paramount's decision. Mm-hmm, but no. it would actually make it easier for them to sell the show to another outlet. 
because they would use that as the carrot to say, look, this show is actually pretty popular. The Blu-ray sales, when we announced cancellation, flew off the shelf and they sold out. So there's a little base out there. You may want to pay the license fee and air this on your platform. So that would help in the selling of the uh, the show to someone else, I would think. We as Star Trek fans definitely aren't like the pot of gold that like Marvel fans are. We're, we're more like a, a box of silver um, or something. We're not going to make you as much money like day to day, but like slow burn wise, you're going to get like a longer term investment out of us, I think. And I think that's what needs to get understood if we're going to do this under the sort of consumer economy style that, you know, I I do hope you're right, Bruce, that that a smaller platform is able to take this on and create a little niche market where, yeah, they're not going to make these skyrocketing overheads for all these other things. But I mean, I guess like Star Trek's always sort of had this problem, right? I mean, when Voyager went on UPN, um, it was supposed to be like the flagship TV show, right? It was supposed to be this big deal. But I find in a lot of cases, Star Trek, where it gets put, where it was put back in the days when syndication was important and what time of the day it's going to be showing on and what other TV shows are showing at the same time. I think something very similar to that nature is happening with streaming services where they thought that maybe they could just like glut a whole bunch of Star Trek for the Star Trek fans who are typically just there for it and ready ready for more Star Trek at any point and just realizing that we don't have that consumptive force. I mean, them filming things in Toronto is a way to save money, but obviously we are always looking for, you know, TV shows that have imagery and spectacle and, you know, Star Trek obviously has a bit more progressive messaging and stuff like that, but we we definitely don't we aren't the we aren't the same kind of base. So yeah, maybe maybe a smaller platform of some kind taking us on. I mean, Crave would have been nice, but apparently that's not happening now too. I'm 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 hearing extra stuff from you guys that's kind of got me a little baffled and frustrated. Yeah, so what that's about and and I noticed nobody's really talking about this uh much up here in Canada, but uh there was a recent tweet that kind of caught my attention uh about um Bell Media's application to the CRTC. Now the CRTC is the the regulatory commission here up in in Canada that regulates what's on the airwaves and what gets broadcast to Canadians. And uh, there was one tidbit apparently from Bell's application. Paramount has taken a number of properties including new Star Trek series and popular old services like South Park from Crave and CTV Sci-Fi and moved them on to its own streamer Paramount Plus. Now this was kind of a wait and see thing for us up here in Canada. We knew this was coming at some point. Paramount Plus launched here quite a while ago and through what I'm assuming are some pretty ironclad ingredients agreements with Bell Media, uh, Crave and CTV Sci-Fi had kind of their claws in the Star Trek stuff. And I'm sure the execs at Paramount were just kind of running out the clock on that and waiting to be able to move it over to Paramount Plus. And now that seems to be happening. So I went over to Crave myself just before we uh, started recording here and looked at the various Star Trek series And like I said, very quietly, nobody's talking about this, but Star Trek Picard says available until July 31st. Star Trek Prodigy says available until July 24th. Star Trek Lower Decks says available until July 31st. Uh, But Star Trek Strange New Worlds doesn't have any kind of note about its future status on here. So I'm not sure when that will be leaving Crave, but I'm sure it will be as well. So... Yeah, Paramount Plus is kind of, it, it's bringing stuff under its umbrella and then kicking one out, I guess, is kind of <laughs> what's going on up here in Canada. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's not a big surprise, right? I mean, we've kind mm-hmm. of projected at some point these could fall under the Paramount Plus umbrella in Canada and leave Crave. And I think the reason you're not seeing a date for Strange New Worlds is because the current season is still going. And there's probably a certain amount of months after the season airs that it'll continue to stay on Crave before it moves to Paramount Plus. But it is odd, you know, to see things moving from where they've been all these numbers of years since every premiere has been on Crave and then moving to another service and then another Star Trek series just going to disappear and go somewhere that we don't know (laughs) where we'll ever see it again. And it's, it's odd because, you know, Barry's talking about syndication and the kind of the old days of TV. You didn't see shows jump around between networks. You know, it was basically every once in a while you did, but 
you know, the show's on the network, it gets canceled. You probably never see it again unless another network picks it up. But again, there's very few examples of that. So this is a different time in this industry. I was just at a convention a couple of weeks ago in Denver, a streaming TV convention. And, you know, there's a lot of the rules of the old that we're seeing creeping into the new. The new has been the Wild West, but now we're starting to find out the Wild West is kind of like it was back in the old day. It's just television and you can't just put anything on and pay whatever you're going to pay to put the this, this, this show on. You've got budgets and, you know, we, we've the whole idea behind these services was to attract an audience and make this work. And now it's like you've got the audiences, you got people paying for it. Now you have to start showing you can make money at it. And that's the problem we're facing right now is you can't put all your eggs in this basket and expect it to be uh, something that is going to be profitable. Now you got to make it profitable. You got the people using it. Now you got to cut your cost and show that you can make money at this. And that's what everybody's trying to figure out right now. And that's why a lot of these services that never did advertising are introducing advertising in, because the best model they're saying is to be both subscription and ad-based. If you have those two, you're going to work. And I'm not a fan of seeing that happen, but it's happening. It's almost like they need to read some books on economy, like both Adam Smith and Karl Marx, right? Adam Smith, the father of capitalism, Karl Marx, the modernizer of socialism, basically both agree in in their um, treatises on market economies that the rate of profit in all cases will always skew towards zero, no matter what. And again, looking at short-term goals and short-term gains, this is basically streaming services painting themselves into a corner, not realizing that there is going to be that first start, right? Look at Netflix when it came. It blew everyone out of the water. Now it's maybe fourth in line, right, comparatively to the rest. And as we see um, the larger corporations begin to consolidate, right, Disney started that. I mean, Disney's been good at doing this for a long time. I was actually thinking about uh, TV shows and movies disappearing. Disney used to do that. They, they would release certain certain of their movies, and then they would say, oh, and this was going back into the vault. I always remember hearing that as a kid, you know, back into the vault, back into the vault. Um, and, and just that sort of sort of tacit control over their product, right? And and understanding that that we don't own these these platforms, right? The the media owners control the content. And then also to the fact that media performs ideological functions within the um within what they're trying to do. Like you saying, Bruce, that that sort of the the transition or the the movement from interest from like wild west to something else right game of thrones used to be a thing um with all the kind of medieval stuff and you know we're, we're kind of moving through the superhero genre and everything like that and it is it's sort of cyclical it kind of moves in its own seasons um and with streaming um, these things can happen a lot more quickly, but the problem is, is the content becomes a lot more disposable and like Star Trek Prodigy, I rest my case, it's disposable, um, ultimately, if it isn't profitable. I wonder if, if part of the thing is, and, and this always bugged me about economic theory and, and stuff, and I'm not a, an, an expert by any sense, but just as a total layperson kind of sitting here thinking like, well, if every quarter is supposed to see growth... How does that work ultimately? Like that, that can't be sustainable. And I feel like these streaming services, they have to gain new subscribers every quarter, every quarter, they have to get new subscribers in order to be profitable. There's only a finite number of people that are going to subscribe. So I, again, I'm not an economic expert, but whenever I see that kind of figuring, I just kind of throw up my hands and say, I don't get it. Like Bruce, like you say, I, I guess... Uh, it makes sense to me that the the holy grail would be ads plus subscribers because, yeah, two streams of revenue, absolutely. But uh, I, I don't know. It feels like there needs to be a fundamental change in the way these platforms make money. What that is, I have no idea. Like, I don't, I can't figure this out. I'm sure there are people much smarter that know a lot more about this than I do that are similarly frustrated. Well, I can speak to the cable TV model more so than this streaming model because the company I work for, we don't have a subscription-based service like these. So I, I don't know exactly what the costs look like. But from a cable TV package standpoint, as someone who used to be a product manager at a cable company for video services, I would see the cost 
of the content, meaning the license fees that we're paying for these networks, continue to rise and rise and get higher and higher. As a result of that, now I have to raise the cost to the customer. I have to raise that package price point. And of course, everybody complains about my cable bill just keeps getting bigger and bigger. The problem is that there's such big cost in producing the content and all the royalties involved in it and everything else that comes with it. And then we are flattening, we're, we're kind of stretching the audience in different directions because the more channels you add, the more that you're spreading that audience out thinner. You know, when you had a day of like five channels, you split, you could split them in fives, basically. Now you're splitting them in hundreds and now thousands and whatever. We just create more and more competition. And then we've raised the bar production wise. I mean, how many times have we said, wow, this Star Trek show looks like it could be in a movie theater. It's, it's, you know, cinematic quality. So we've raised the bar in production And yet we're thinning the audience because we have so much services and so much choice and so many things. And don't think of just TV, but the video games and the TikToks and the YouTubes and just the Internet in general. Anything that is pulling eyes away from content makes it harder and harder to sell. So what starts to happen is you look at your cost and your margins are very small for this product and you can keep adding subscribers, but the more subscribers you add, the cost still is the same per subscriber. And then that margin is still still narrow. So what you need to do is try to lower that cost. And so as a result of that, you have to maybe drop some channels or some content or do something to help show that you can make a profit off of the customer, whether you have 10 customers or 10 million customers, you have to show profit per customer. Yeah, that's a good point. There's a blurring effect on the amount of media that's being created. And we are in unprecedented territory thinking of how many, you know, genres and subgenres are, you know, attempted to be catered at through different types of media online, uh, both professionally done in terms of amateur, all of those sorts of things. Yeah, they, they, they all kind of come come into this. I think another thing to bring up would be, you know, there is currently a strike going on. So I think also these streaming services are probably trying to um, put up some bulwarks against what could be a pretty lean next year. And then where does that come from, right? That comes from the converging overlapping contradictions of COVID, right? COVID on set, the amount of service industry people who are no longer around anymore, and the amount of protections that have still existed on set because a TV show can't have an understudy like a play. Um, And then there's also just simply the cost of living and then the individual family and people having just a decreased buying power, right? Like, I mean, everything's become a lot more expensive as well. So I do think that this is a sign of the times and to some degree perhaps trying to find new frontiers in um, the consumer economy. A lot of streaming services tried to do the Netflix model pretty much as is, and they've bitten off way more than they can chew, which is unfortunate because we've had our ears up with all these amazing new ideas that have seemed to be coming down the pipe one after the other, after the other, after the other. And yeah, the money just ran right out um, because of that diminishing rate of profit, right? We can have Philippe Jojou come back, for a whole season, but it's not going to make as much money anymore because the cost of the actor herself, right, being now an Oscar award-winning actor, um, then there's all the special effects that are happening, all of these other things. Now, Star Trek has always done really well when it's just filmed, you know, like shoulder over shoulder shots, you know, in a courtroom or something like that. But in this respect, yeah, I think we have just sort of reached a, a bit of a critical mass where because profit lies at the bottom line of anything that gets created in mainstream media, you're going to run into these issues. And it's disappointing and it is a slap in the face. It feels bad and it feels terrible, but also it is that idea that like, you know, this is a model that's been ongoing in um, North American media, especially since the 1950s, really, you know, if you think about television, um, moving, moving from then to now, right, we still, we see very similar phenomenon taking place. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious. 
extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Thank you so much for downloading this episode of Positively Trek. We truly do appreciate each and every one of our listeners. And I'd like to especially thank our Patreon supporters. Thank you to our Constitution Class supporters, Jim Stoffel, Joyce Marin, and Paul D. Kinnear. If you'd like to become a supporter of Positively Trek and join our crew, please go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You can get early access to episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, associate producer credits, ad-free episodes and more again that's patreon.com slash positively trek thank you all and live long and prosper i also wonder does this kind of reframe a little bit the news of discovery's cancellation as well i mean we know that paramount plus has some issues there's some stuff going on there's been some poor earnings reports there's been you know these little hints here and there that uh the streaming model may not be sustainable in its current form and all this kind of stuff. And that kind of got me to thinking about this phenomenon in comic books. If I could kind of take a little digression here, we know that, you know, when they start a new series, the issue number one is always very coveted. It gets a, num a lot of new readers right away and it's this nice little spike in readership. So, you know, we've seen this kind of thing translated over to a service such as Netflix, who will start a new show and get a bunch of new subscribers and get a lot of word of mouth. And then, you know, one or two or maybe three seasons later, they ax the show and repeat it it all over again with another new brand new exciting thing for people to kind of chase and, and get to know are we going to be seeing that in star trek a little bit like are they kind of sweeping aside the old to make way for new like are we going to get a lot of these more limited runs or or movie events like the section 31 thing is starfleet academy going to last two seasons and then be replaced with something else would that kind of phenomenon translate to the Star Trek universe? I think so. I think it will. And uh, and not so much just to create new content to make things look more attractive. So, for example, if a Star Trek uh, Starfleet Academy series is hugely popular, I don't think they're going to just say, well, we'll cancel after two seasons and create something new just to look fresh. I think they'll keep it going. I think my answer to your question is I, I think – we'll see more cancellations and shorter, not as many seasons and, and such because of cost. I mean, again, we're back to the money. I think that's what happened to Discovery. I think Discovery had the biggest budget compared to these other Star Trek series. I, I think I read one of the creators behind Strange New Worlds answered one of the questions about the Klingons in this latest episode or the season uh, premiere on Strange New Worlds, that they look more like the original Klingons because they don't have the budget even to make them look like the Discovery Klingons, whether they want to go that route or not. It just shows that Discovery had a bigger budget than Strange New Worlds. And I think, you know, sh maybe even shorter seasons, eight episodes instead of ten could happen. I, I think we're going to see that the Star Trek series are still going to look good, 
but they're just not going to have the production budget they used to and may have shorter seasons. I like the comic book analogy, and I think that's <clears throat> that that's pretty on point. And I think that's also going to lend itself to a lot more sort of one after. And again, this is already phenomenon we're seeing, like uh, more quick reimaginings of profitable genres and franchises right like i'm not really i wasn't really fully over the christopher nolan batman experience before they dropped another one down and it was a little like whoa oh, okay cool all right and tonally very different um but also similar in certain ways um and whatnot and so i think yeah i think bruce you're right that that we'll probably see limited releases um the, the joke um, that I was thinking about earlier is like, are we getting sort of like a shrinkflation in terms of our television watching now too, right? Like I've, I bought a, I bought a, one of those like chocolate Magnum bars the other day and wow, it's gotten way smaller. I haven't bought one in years and I, I bought one and it was like, huh, I, like I could visibly, like I was, I was imagining something else when I looked at it and it was just so thin and scrawny. I was like, oh, okay. And I paid like two more dollars for it than I would have before. So yeah, I mean, this is, this is really the, 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 I guess like economics 101, everyone, we can't have nice things if the shareholders aren't going to make their money off of it. And with that, you know, maybe we're going to have to adapt a little more, but I think also being vocal. And finally, I think being creative is another really big one. Uh, Star Trek has had a fan fiction um, realm that, that took a big hit when a couple of uh, grifters decided to try to grift us all back in the day. Um, may they not be named because I don't like them. Um, mm -hmm. But I wonder if to some degree, you know, if, if Paramount might come down a little harder on fan fiction-y sort of stuff moving forward, because I don't think I'm here for all of the glitzy, explodey sort of stuff. Like, I watched the first episode of Strange New Worlds, and it was fine. Watching uh, Dr. Mbenga uh, beat the snot out of a ton of Klingons was a little out of character, but um, it's interesting to see that side of him. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> wow. But I've heard, because I haven't seen the second episode yet, that it it's a, it's a massive tonal shift that takes place mostly in a courtroom. And I mean, some of the best Star Trek has taken place in courtrooms. So I think in that respect, Star Trek is a little more versatile that way. But what are we wanting? Like, do we want, like, think pieces that can really get people thinking which probably won't make as much money or do you want things that go boom and that's again another issue that star trek has is our tastes as a as a fandom are not the majority people like stuff that goes boom and again i am not throwing shade at star wars star wars has think pieces as well but it also has really good go boom pieces uh it, it has i think it has married that um quite well and for star trek to find its own way there it's going to be difficult and it could mean that yeah we're going to see kind of more little gourmet bits of star trek rather than the larger sweeping 24 episode series like we might have wanted in the first place a lot of good points for sure and uh i don't know i'm, I'm curious to see what the future of star trek is going to look like it kind of feels like we have a perfect storm of stuff happening right now which is very worrisome I mean, the strike has been brought up, uh, very legitimate concerns that need to be addressed, absolutely. And that said, uh, it still feels like the two sides are very, very far apart. So this could stretch on for quite a while, and it feels like we might very suddenly have our Star Trek fix dry up fast. Oh, and don't say that. <laughs> I know, I know. Positive, positive. But you truck, know what, right? Dan? You and I discussed this. <laughs> it was in one of our past shows, or maybe it was offline. But when all of a sudden we were talking about, wow, we're getting all this Star Trek. I remember us talking about, well, there's going to be a day where we're going to say, well, now there's no more Star Trek because they exhausted it. You know, they, you know, we're taking a break from Star Trek. There's no new Star Trek. And already you're hinting at that now. We're not there quite yet. No, I don't think we are. Right. But I'm just saying the next few years might be a little lean. <laughs> yeah, and they might. And well, Leaner. and think about the books. I mean, you and I read the books all the time and the, it's been lean the last several years. Oh, I mean, there was days, yeah. you know, back in the 90s where it was like you got two novels a month. I mean, mm -hmm. we're just happy if we're getting two novels a year. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's literally, like, absolutely. I, yeah. But now the comics are accelerated. We're getting lots of comics right now, but it, everything comes in waves, right? 
So we're mm-hmm. going to go through this wave. One thing we haven't also discussed is, I mean, this isn't just a, a video thing and a streaming thing. This is an economy thing because like Barry's talking about his candy bar. Poor thing with that little candy bar. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm going, I buy something in the store just as much. And I, and I, I can't remember what the item was. But when I brought it home, I had a similar item sitting still in the house. And I noticed that the boxes or whatever were the same size, but the amount was less that it listed. And I'm paying the same amount, if not more. And then I know even like at our company and other companies I've talked to, there's still that dreaded, are we, do you think we're going to get into a recession? You know, so everybody's kind of weary about that. Is there going to be a uh, a recession? So I think everybody's kind of playing it safe. And one other thing I'll just throw out real quick about the future of streaming. When I was at this conference, the most popular topic was free, free streaming television, because services like Pluto TV and Tubi are really starting to take off and people are really attracted to these services they don't have to pay for. Yes, you have to watch commercials, but it's the traditional TV model. And so there may be investment in new content in that model where you get to watch things for free that are commercial based. And who knows, Prodigy could find its home there for its second season. That would probably be the most viable option, I would say, is is understanding that, yeah, the, the world of, of buying a, a subscription to a streaming service and not getting ads just clearly isn't viable for the overheads that these companies are looking for. And you're right. I mean, like no one bats an eye when they watch cable television that they're going to watch two or three, you know, used furniture, you know, and this and that buyer hubcaps and whatever else they sell these days. But that that idea that, that we are probably going to be moving back to something where advertisement is going to play a part. Like I, I would say, of all of the t of all of like the the visual media that I watch, I'm I'm probably I would say like the most would probably be YouTube that I watch and and very carefully vetted accounts and stuff and then just some interest stuff that uh, Dan and I guilty pleasure our <laughs> way through. We love ghost we love ghost mm-hmm. videos, um, <laughs> but anyways, you know I mean you got to sit through two or three ads up to six ads, depending on the the poster. Uh, and I don't know, you just sort of endure it just to get at that free content. So already, I think that's a, a functional business model and something that a more modest franchise like Star Trek could probably manage to settle itself when, when all of this does settle. Because yeah, life is more expensive. Things are more expensive and the uncertainty of everything, right? With war, climate change, orcas are attacking boats, all of this extra stuff that, that we do have to keep considering. Uh, on but it is nice to sit down and unwind um to, to watch a nice episode of trek every now and again and to have that taken away really pisses me off and so i think another future that we might be looking at i think is perhaps people finding other ways to get paywalled media i do you know obviously have a a perspective there that i think all artwork should be open and shared but yeah i mean people people got to eat in this world that we have and and overheads keep going up so it is kind of balancing that and i think yeah a advertised service would probably be the best the best route for star trek moving forward i'd say so thinking about star trek prodigy specifically then there's some paths forward some future of it that takes different forms i think worst case scenario and i I don't think this is likely worst case scenario is nobody buys it it sits unviewed finished a la the batgirl movie that i guess no one will ever see because they just decided not to release it i i don't think that'll happen i think you know next possible scenario which is not my favorite is somewhere like netflix buys it it goes that second year and then gets canceled again because Netflix going to Netflix, right? Maybe somebody could pick it up and even make more episodes of it somehow in the future. I don't know. What, what do you guys feel is the most likely and what would you like to see happen with Prodigy? Well, I'd like to see Prodigy go on forever, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't think we'll ever see a season three. I really think that's a stretch. Yeah. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I I knew this question was going to come up and I still don't really have an answer for it. But there's something in my gut that says that we might see Prodigy season two. And I don't know anything. This is just me talking. But I think we might see it like on an Amazon Prime for some reason. That's where I feel like it's going to end up. And yeah, it won't see a season three. It'll be up there for a while and then it'll be gone. 
and then you can't find it anywhere for a while. And then all of a sudden we're on this podcast saying how it just appeared somewhere else for right now. And <laughs> showed up on HBO Max for some reason. Yeah. Or sorry, just Max, I guess. Just Max. Streaming service whack-a-mole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where, are the star- where are the Star Trek movies this week? Right, because right? we saw that with the movies, <laughs> right? We they've, they've hopped around. And so that I, I don't know if we'll ever see Prodigy just really be a huge success and just stay somewhere for a long period of time. So you got to hope that they come out with a home video release of the entire series because you're going to want to hold on to that. Already, like I, I'm considering, I, I need some kind of um, hardware media player. Uh, we don't actually, I've just realized, I went through the house this morning being like, get out the old DVD player. And we threw out the old one because it was busted. Oh, no. So we're going to have to go get a new DVD player. But this is is that idea that, yeah, like you're going to have to own it if you really, really want it. And you're going to have to find ways to own it. And Bruce, I think, you know, the other possibility is there may come a point where we will scream at Paramount enough that they will come back cap in hand and say, fine, here it is. You can buy it right on, say, like Amazon Prime, or we've made it available on Apple iTunes, whatever, or Google Play or whatever the hell you want. Or they'll just put it and you can pay like a buck 50 to watch the whole series off Paramount for you have a year, right? Or something like that. Or maybe, you know, like a smaller, I, I don't know very many smaller streaming services. And, and Lord help me, I don't want to I don't want to subscribe to another streaming service. I'm I'm subscribed out. Um, but yeah, maybe there's a possibility or or like YTV up here in Canada might pick up a pick it up and, and, and play it just sort of in their regularly run schedule. Considering it's already done. I mean, if I was a network, I'd buy it, make my money, you know, a little bit of extra money off of it, probably from what I paid for it and be done in with the middle it. of a writer's strike. Right. I mean, it seems very tempting right like i mean i I, someone's gonna buy this and show it it it, it's a pretty attractive property in my eyes but yeah a season three don't 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 kid yourself it's probably not going to happen the 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 very likely um home for any further star trek prodigy shows will be either comic books or novels yeah that makes a lot of sense I, i saw some posts also by some of our shall we say more seasoned star trek fans who have been around for a number of years talking about going to conventions back in the 70s and stuff and uh, 70s and 80s and having kind of bootleg tapes of like the blooper reels and that sort of thing. So they were kind of suggesting that if the worst case scenario happens and this gets boxed and nowhere to be seen, you know, there's there's people who worked on that show that will probably be selling that out the back of some convention booth somewhere, <laughs> bootleg DVDs, which will be of a much higher quality than those tapes of the blooper reels were back in the day. <laughs> Yeah, you know, this reminds me of something, too. I'm going to the Star Wars side of things. But before Disney bought Star Wars, they completed, I think, 60-some episodes of a series called, an animated series called Star Wars Detours. Oh, Detours. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, and it's been over a decade now since those episodes were done. And they're just sitting on the shelf and nowhere to be seen. And no one at Disney is talking about releasing those anytime soon. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Prodigy, but it makes me think of that. Yeah, there is precedent. It has happened. And and I, like I said, I think there's a number of factors in its favor that show that it, it's going to be shopped around and someone will buy it. And they obviously have enough faith in it that they are currently funding the completion of season two. It's not finished post-production yet, but Paramount is still paying for them to finish it so that they can chop it around. So, And I don't think that they, I don't know if they'll sell this individually as a standalone series. It may be a package of Paramount properties that they're selling. So it may be in a package of, of a bunch of other Paramount movies and series. And it's like, here, you know, here's all this great content, pay the license fee for it. Hey, look, and you got the Star Trek brand in there. You can utilize that to to get people to your service. But speaking of like, you know, IPs like Star Trek, Paramount was also hoping to do more with the Grease franchise. So when they did Rise of the Pink Ladies, that was supposed to hope, hopefully kick off a ser- different series of Grease movies or series and such like Star Trek is. And that got pulled too. So the, the Grease franchise, I think, is not going to take off. Yeah. Yeah. This was, that's a good point. This was prodigy was part of a group of shows that was all, that were all canceled. 
by surprise. So Greece Rise of the Pink Ladies, uh, Queen of the Universe, and The Game were all, the, those were the four that were kind of all canceled at once. So that's an interesting thought that that could be a package deal that uh, you know, maybe, maybe might make it a little harder, actually. If, if you want to take Prodigy, you have to take this one too. I don't know, you know. Well, it wouldn't be set up that way. I mean, I don't know if anybody says, I just want Prodigy. It's just more of a, hey, you get all these movies and all these series from the catalog, new and old. You know, it just depends. I, I mean, I can't speak to certain deals that I know in the industry, but I know Paramount has done deals where, uh, yeah, you get a package and you don't necessarily pay for any of the content unless somebody sees an ad during it. I don't know if that model's still out there or not, but that was a while ago. I don't know if it's still like that. <laughs> that's fascinating. And, and I think that's it is also, you know, we don't know what happens in the boardrooms and what conversations are being had. And I think the other piece of this is, and I think, Dan, you kind of illuminated this earlier of like, the person who made this decision is not a Star Trek fan. And, you know, I, I would sh be sure that that the people who have a monetary monetarily vested interest in what Paramount um, puts on its platform, um, they're not Star Trek fans either. And they but they are fans of of making the investment money that they've put in back and more. And if it's not going to happen, it won't. And as a fandom, I think we have always persevered a lot of it through a lot of hardship we've gone through droughts you know talking about things maybe becoming a lot more lean in the future i think for most of us it you know if you were to talk to us this time last year we would be having an extremely different conversation and i think had we been able to to you know use the the guardian of, of forever to to go back in time and talk to our back time selves and be like don't get so happy you're going to be very disappointed and at least this is going to be sort of a harbinger of what might be coming and i think preparing ourselves for some potential disappointments and what what will feel like slaps in the face as these like really imaginative new and interesting properties series start coming out and then suddenly vanish in a in an instant we might just have to get used to the idea that things are are going to be a little more fickle that way as streaming sort of figures out how it can remain as profitable as it would like to i mean the thing here also is is the short-term concept um i do think it is I would honestly say, and, and maybe this is a conversation I should have brought up earlier, but I do think that this way of consuming media, the way we consume media, how we um, relate to it, I think can be sometimes damaging um, as much as it can be, you know, hopeful and good, because there is a fair amount of just a constant steady stream of information of TV shows, of nostalgia, of everything trying to hit. Um, and not everything's going to hit. That's kind of where we're at right now is things just didn't work out for, for this property. And it's because we as a fandom just aren't as big as others. And here's hoping it gets picked up by other properties. And if things are to move forward, I think we have to we have to be okay with as long as the system remains as, as it is, we're probably going to see more ads. We're probably going to have to chase some of the TV shows we like and we're just going to have to be okay with that. I just want to mention two things. Number one, I don't necessarily agree that who's ever making this decision isn't a Star Trek fan. I don't know if the, if the person or the people involved are, but I can tell you as a Star Trek fan, if I worked at Paramount and I had to make these decisions, <laughs> as much as it would pain me to do it, I'd have to cancel because... How else am I going to explain not canceling Prodigy when they look at the books and they go, well, why wow, you canceled all this other stuff? Why not this show? Because it's Star Trek. We got to keep the flame alive, you know? It's really good. Well, it's fiduciary duty, <laughs> right. right? And that's it. Is under any under any board, mm -hmm. as a CEO, you have the fiduciary duty to increase profits, increase the margins, make the lines in the graph go up. So you're right. Like they could be, they could have a, a, a Star Trek shrine room for all we know um, and could be really, really having a hard time with this, but... One way or another, um, Star Trek didn't win. I want to go to that shrine room. I want to see that. <laughs> yeah, right. A, a millionaire's Star Trek shrine room would be amazing. There'd probably be some like like original props in. Well, there. and this is just kind of off that topic, but uh, at Pluto TV, I've been to their corporate offices, and I think I may have shared this with Dan once, but they have a conference room where the wall is just the Enterprise D 
on the wall. And it's, so I forget cool. what they call it. They don't call the room the Star Trek room, but it's like the space room or something like that is what the conference oh. are. And there's a big Enterprise D on there. So, so they are fans in Pluto TV, which is owned by Paramount. But the other thing I wanted to mention too is like if we make a lot of noise about how much, you know, showing the passion for the show online and social media, it won't necessarily probably convince Paramount to keep it on Paramount Plus, but it will ring the ears of those other platforms that go, holy crap, I need to get hold of the show. There's a lot of buzz out there. And I, I've seen a lot of similar things shared on social media by the creators of the show. So, you know, while it's on these platforms still, by all means, rewatch them, watch them a lot. Like those numbers will get through to them. But also there are two young adult prodigy novels that have come out. I have them both. I haven't read them yet, but I bought them. There's a third one on the way. There's a prodigy video game. I don't know if there's going to be comics, but I, I think they'd be silly not to enjoy that stuff, share it introduce it to star trek fans who maybe haven't checked it out yet spread the word prodigy is great like i really enjoyed it i barry i know you really enjoyed it bruce when we've talked about it we love the show uh we we've sung its praises on this podcast and it's really really worth checking out and i know personally i can think off the top of my head three friends i know who love star trek who haven't watched it yet because it's a kids show if you're listening to this podcast go watch that show it is good it is it is an all ages show it is not a kids show stop listening to us and turn on star trek prodigy <laughs> there is little time yes, exactly <laughs> see that's a problem too cuz i thought about that earlier today there's pro- you know that's probably affected the performance because there's a lot of star trek fans that just haven't watched it yet. Oh, it's a kid show. I don't know if we really want to watch it. And yeah, go watch it. Yeah, 100%. So I feel like that's a that's a pretty good place to leave this discussion here. But I'm sure to be continued, we'll be tracking the story. And as soon as we have any word of, of some other network or streaming service picking this up, we'll be sure to bring that to you. Uh, but in the meantime... Uh, Bruce, when you're not drooling over that Star Trek conference room over at Pluto TV, where can people find you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. I am doing some shows in Atlanta. I'm trying to think of something. I, I, don't, I just finished a show, a two weekend run of a sketch comedy and it looks like I'm going to be in another sketch comedy show. I think it's August 12th and the, I think, 17th and 18th, whatever that following Friday and Saturday. Um, we haven't started rehearsing that yet, but uh, so that's coming up. And I don't know, just doing that kind of stuff, you know. That's exciting. I love that. Oh, and, and Barry, when you're not getting married under the crashing fireworks of Canada Day... <laughs> Where can we find you? <laughs> you can find me on the Posli- Positively Trek Facebook group. I have been a ghost once again, uh, but I assure everyone that is just because if I'm not uh, doing work with my job, I am also doing work getting ready to be married in under a week. Um, but I would say just one quick thing. I'm nowhere near you, Bruce, uh, sadly, because I would definitely come and check out yeah. your shows. But I think, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's another great place that you can spend your hard-earned dollars. Um, streaming services are all wonderful and great, but absolutely nothing compares to live entertainment go out check out live entertainment check out live performances fellow human beings making you laugh making you cry making you think um i can't think of a better time so um definitely that's something that i've been trying to do a lot more of and if you're in bruce's neck of the woods uh we should uh, we should do like a i don't know like a, a recap on on some of the cool things that you've done in that world i know it's nothing to do with star trek but I guess it has something to do with performances and I'd love to know how that's going for you. Cause you know, the world of entertainment isn't just simply, you know, big studios with massive budgets. Sometimes it's people um, doing stuff in their own local neighborhoods and stuff. And I'm always big on that. Yeah. And just so those who don't know, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. So if you're in the Atlanta area, that's where the shows are and they're available on YouTube. Some of the, sometimes we live stream the shows and so if you go to Sketchworks, one word, Sketchworks Comedy, go to their live tab and you'll see the last show in there where halfway through this show, I'm dancing in a pink unitard. We will be linking directly to that in the show notes. <laughs> so go yeah. check that out, please. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, you can find the podcast on Twitter at Positively Trek, and of course in our Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook, patreon.com slash Positively Trek if you'd like to help out the show. And uh, yeah, until next time, I know sometimes it's tough with news that comes down the pike, but do your best to stay positive. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.